Welcome to another edition of USAV Bandwidth, where we discuss everything from A to V and beyond. I am joined with my illustrious co-host, Miss Candace Aragon, Vice President of Marketing and Events for PSA and USAV. Welcome, Candace. Thank you. I'm illustrious now. I like that. I'll take uh, it. You know, I'm just trying to add a little, little, <laughs> little adjective, flavor. little flavor. <laughs> and then we are welcoming back an old uh, old friend of ours, Chris Nakiso from Chris Edward Consulting. And we are here today to talk about talent acquisition, retention, all things talent. What's up, Chris? What's going on, you guys? Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, it's good to be back. Yeah, I man. made the cut. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you were the original spark for this thing. So, you know, I think, was I the original? You are. <laughs> nice. The first guest ever. The OG. Right? Nice, nice. Yeah. We've come a long way. We have. It feels like it was yesterday, but it's been a while. It's, it's crazy. It's kind of like a time warp with uh, everything <laughs> with, with COVID. You, you forget the days, the months, the weeks, all that stuff. So, that's true. So as Candace and I are having conversations with our integrators, both on the PSA and USAV side, one of the most popular topics that comes up almost on a daily occurrence is talent acquisition. How do I find talent? They're trying to get creative as to where they're looking and, and you know who they're looking for more specifically. So can you shed some light what you're seeing in the market, Chris, as to where people should be looking versus where they are looking? Yeah, I think to answer the first question is what, what we're seeing is when the pandemic first happened, Everything kind of ceased. There wasn't much recruiting going on. The industry got a little smaller just because nothing was happening. And as the world started to realize that AV was way more of an importance to the work and personal life, home life, it quickly expanded. I mean, the, the market cap on collaboration throughout the pandemic went from, it was like $12.8 billion to $48 plus billion in that time, which is a lot. And video, audio and video is such a critical part to our daily lives. And where that comes within the talent side is now the integrators, manufacturing, you know, architectural engineering, they just exploded with work. Everybody's like, hey, we need to redesign. We're trying to figure out because, you know, these these companies, these executives are trying to figure out how to best create an experience that is so new now where not everybody's in the office. And what that does with the talent market is, now everybody's stealing from each other, essentially. That's really what's happening. But the other challenge is, too, is you got inflation. And it's a candidate-driven market. And I think that's the thing that's tough is let's just take the Bay Area or let's take New York, where a project manager used to go for 115, 120, can go for 150. And we've seen in New York, we've seen that go up to 160, 170. And that's the same for design engineers. And it's tough specifically on the integrators because it's like you got projects that are generating a certain revenue or margin. It's like, I'm paying this much more for talent. And then that talent's not qualified for what that what they're costing. And I think that's what's really causing the biggest thing. And then, you know, you start to think about developing that talent. Like, can we take somebody as a field engineer, right? Or a project coordinator and bump them up? Those are the other things to think about too as well. So right now it's a very competitive landscape and that's really what we're seeing as far as what these clients are going through. So as far as winning the candidates, what employers are winning the candidates or I guess rather what benefits or what perks that they're offering? You mentioned huge salary increases. Is it just salary yeah. or are there other things that people... No, you know, I'm not, I'm not really for. a huge fan, especially running my own business and hiring talent too. I'm not really a big fan of just giving out money just to give it out. I think that's the worst thing you could do because there will be a correction back. 
There will be. I think right now candidates know they have companies in a certain position and they need these jobs. But what I think companies can do, I think the biggest thing is is process to recruiting. And you know, Patrick, I said that on the first time we had this event is really, you know, what is your process to how you're recruiting? What's your onboarding process like? That is the biggest discussion right now with companies with regards to retention. Because regardless of supply chain, whether you get your laptop or not, right? I mean, that's just like getting your furniture a year later. I'm still butthurt about that, by the way. <laughs> I li- I, it's hilarious you said that, not to sidetrack us. I got a table today that I ordered crazy. a year ago. <laughs> yeah, crazy, crazy. So, but like, what's the roadmap? Because everything is just really busy right now. I mean, I hear things out there that project managers dealing with 40 to 50 plus projects. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. Yep. But how are you initiating somebody into that environment? I think the biggest thing is just, you know, you got to start somewhere with that process. And it starts in the beginning. It can't start like, okay, we're losing people. We're going to get an onboarding process going. No, it needs to start now. And those are things that I can speak to with my own business that have helped immensely. Now, am I the size of the biggest integrators? The manu- No, absolutely not. I have the advantage on that. But when I'm hiring people remotely, a lot of folks right now feel like they're on an island and they don't know what to do. And it usually takes four to seven times longer to get things like your point across and to train. You know, you bring somebody new in your organization, they got to learn all the new internal processes, how the clients they work with interact. And so that's where you're seeing this bottleneck of, of you know, companies just losing talent. Like they get more money, I'm out. Mm-hmm. I'd rather make more money and deal with more chaos somewhere else But the side that I see and why I tell companies, I don't think you need to just go out there and offer just astronomical money. No, just have a process because everybody's going through the same thing. And these are things I tell candidates when they're making a job change. I let them know, like, it's the same anywhere else. So don't look at it like that. Don't make the move for more money. Look at like, what are you trying to accomplish? I think companies need to stop looking at these candidates as as numbers because that's what they're doing. They're looking as, I need to fill this right now. My hair is on fire, as opposed to them as human beings. And what do you want in your career? And make the focus on that. Don't make it about, well, we do cool stuff and we're busy. And, you know, do you want the job or not? And they're not saying it like that, but it comes off like that. You're insinuating. And all the candidates that I talk to feel that way. Yeah. And so that's where I think have a process. Let's just take uh, engineering, for example. If If you're hiring for an engineer. The question I would be asking people is, can you have this remote or does it have to be an office? And if you're a company in an area that high cost market, well, the pandemic just, you know, I'm happy here in Texas because the cost of living just went up. My home just went up, right? So you're seeing more people flood out of like the more metropolitan areas because it's easier. It's, it's cost effective. Yeah. And if I'm a company on the East or the West Coast in these metropolitan areas, can I take somebody in other areas where the cost is not as much and I can get talent that way, right? Well, that's just it. That, that's the beauty of, of this new hybrid environment is it, it kind of expands the labor pool to a much wider audience as Correct. long as your, your company culture can support that, that endeavor, right? Yes. But that's where it comes back to having a process because now we all used to be in office talking about, yeah, how was your you know, kid's soccer game? Yeah, they lost. They're not very good this year. Oh, okay. <laughs> By the way, I got a problem with my engineering drawing, or I got a problem with this, or you know, you need a sales rep to talk to their sales engineer before they jump on this call, or you know, they go meet. Now that dynamic is different. 
And so again, there's got to be process. And I think the other thing that I'm hearing out there is a lot of the companies have dated technology, yeah. project management software tools, engineering tools. I have a whole full-blown revamped tech stack that I can pull stuff, KPIs. It's, it's very easy for my team to go in there and navigate. Companies need to start doing that. The ones that are doing very well, there's always challenges there everywhere, but where can you take care of some of those other areas that of alleviation that you really shouldn't have to deal with your job? And it comes back to, again, I'm going to keep reiterating this process, process, process. And if you don't have one, I think it's really going to hurt you to secure talent and then to keep talent. And you're just going to keep paying lots of money. That person's not going to you know, last six months. They're going to be miserable. And they're going to go leverage what you pay them to go leverage a higher offer. So it's just musical chairs right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you talk about those processes and you mentioned onboarding. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine being onboarded in a remote environment. I guess Patrick probably can, but it's not something I've ever done before. And so are there best practices really for onboarding in general, right? I think people really can mess up onboarding. And like you said, that kind of make make or breaks your experience. But are there some best practices people should be following and kind of especially considering that remote candidate experience? Yeah, I, I you know, I think things are starting to come back to, to normal somewhat. So I don't know how long like this whole remote thing officially like 100% will be. I think it's definitely going to be hybrid, but to your point on how that looks, I think some of the best practices are, I one, I think it's, what's really interesting is you have a different, you have, you have like three or four generations in the workspace today. Yes. That's where we learn differently. My parents, as much as I love them, we couldn't be further on, on certain things. Like <laughs> I'm way over here, they're over there. Right. And then there's folks that are younger than them that I kind of align with, but then don't. Then there's folks that are younger than me that they do TikToks and that's the way that stuff works, right? So it's, but you're colliding different personalities in a company and people are working longer. And I think the biggest thing is knowing what your, who you have, what's the company identity? If you're a bigger organization, it's, it's a little bit different. If you're smaller, how do you do things? And, and really, how are you, what's the communication style amongst the team? And then set processes in place. So, I've heard crazy things. And I, when I do these intake calls, they have like six or seven Zoom meetings a week for people that have been there for, and then I talk to these candidates. I'm like, how do you feel about that? Terrible. They just want to have meetings to have meetings. Like there's got to be purpose to that. And you got to give people roadmaps to what this job is. So if it's a newer hire, that's newer to the industry. And I think that's really been the biggest thing, not to go too far off, but recruiting talent into this industry now that it's yeah. growing up, but you got to give people some, a chance to succeed. But going back to some of the processes, yeah. couple meetings a week that are really driven towards the results of the business, but also to taking it a step further. How are you doing? Cause we're in a remote environment. Most people weren't onboarded remotely in the past. So we're on this, you know, we got four wall, walls behind us and a, and a camera and you can get isolated. And yeah. I- I think that's that comes down to company culture for sure. That's what it's all about. And and we're seeing that 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 culture shift in a lot of companies because they're trying to figure out this hybrid world because they're used to having everybody in the office, like you said, you know, walking up to the cube and saying, Hey, I need help with this. Where now they gotta go on and teams or zoom someone and say, Hey, I need help with this problem. So it's just a it's a it's a culture shift within the companies. Yeah. And then setting up with little ad hoc teams to bounce off ideas like, hey, I need help with this or I need help with this. 
and let those teams help people's learning curves go up. Those experiences will help shift and and ramp up that acceleration on what you need your team to do. But to every day have your manager check in with you, I would get sick of it. I would just feel like I'm being kind of just stuffy and not like, let me learn, but put me in the right learning environment. And I think it comes down to trust too. Yeah. There's that age old interview question for like management roles. That's like, what's your leadership style like? And I've always answered that by saying that it depends on the employee because each employee needs something different. And I especially saw that during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I had employees that I needed to just kind of check in and say, how you feeling? You know, you've got kids at home, you're managing all these events. There's so much going on. And there's other employees that we have a biweekly check-in. I let them lead it and they they raise their hand when they need help. Everybody kind of needs something different. So mm-hmm. you can't manage two employees the exact same way. No, I, I completely agree. And I think that the biggest thing, and there's not one size fits all, and that's the nice thing of it. But I, the one thing that I don't see companies do enough is they're called skip talks. And, you know, this is something I learned from my advisor. Most folks in this industry know who he is, Larry Satterfield. Amazing at what he does. But in terms of skip talks, is skipping levels and talking to employees at the ground level. They'll tell you everything you need to know. And these aren't scheduled calls. But you want to know what's going on in the business and, and maybe how to do things differently. I think too many companies are making decisions for the employees as rather than asking them and and not in the ways like an exit interview, like, well, what what can we do better? Like just kind of more casual. What are you you're asking them? What are they seeing? And finding those learning patterns. What could we be doing easier? What could we be doing differently, or whatever the case may be. And those skip talks are designed to get folks to really be in a comfortable situation to explain what could be improved and let them tell you and then manage towards that result. Yeah. And, and that, that comes down to trust and that comes down to you 100%. Know, just talking to them like they are just a person to person, not coming down and them, just having a conversation like, Hey, you know, what, what's going on? What, what are you seeing? Cause I think there's, there's, there's a whole way that you, you have to approach that conversation. Yeah. And, and it's funny what, you all are hearing right now in the industry, these are the conversations I have with candidates. I ask them. I don't ask them like, hey, I've got this job and it pays. First thing I ask, why are we talking? Yeah. Why are we talking? That's the first thing I ask. I don't care about the money. That's irrelevant. I know plenty of people that make money and hate their jobs. But why are we talking? Well, I'm overwhelmed. How are you overwhelmed? I'm overseeing 60 projects or I've got no sales support. I've got jobs that I can close, but I've got no engineers to support me on it. How's that affecting you? And from a seller standpoint, it affects their paychecks. Sure. From an engineer, it's like now I'm working 60, 70 hours a week and it's affecting my home life. And I have three kids. And then when they leave and they put in their notice, companies are like, why are you leaving? <laughs> and the crazy thing is no one's going to just tell them that. On an, that's why no one's going to tell them on an exit interview. I tell company like the one thing I beat your good and you want to do it with your best employees, the ones that are showing up and like care to be there, the ones that aren't performing, you don't do that with. They're going to complain about everything. That's why they jump jobs every year. But the good ones will give you some really good nuggets that actually can help you maybe shift things because they do see the macro of where the business wants to go. That's why they show up every day doing their job. And it's a team environment, right? We there's give and takes, but you want to be able to get to your employees before they're given their notice. 
if you're the company that's trying to keep uh, retain talent, you're giving yourself time. You're buying yourself time to set these processes in place. And that's the one thing I always talk to Kansas about. Have you talked to your employer about these changes? Some of them say no. And I say, you need to talk to them before we even go any further. So I don't feel like dealing with counter offers right now. Yeah. <laughs> right? We have an integrator on our, on the security side that just stay interviews. So they do you what? Know, stay interviews. So with their existing employee, they, you know, every year or so they interview them to say, you know, what is it that will make you stay? How do we keep you? Are you engaged? And really make sure that they're, they're getting what they need out of the organization. But I, you know, I don't know if I would do it like that because it almost feels like I'm being interrogated. <laughs> I think that the way she described it, it, it seemed like it, it worked pretty well, but it may work. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I look at like the psychology of an individual, you know, if I do this to somebody, I poke them, it doesn't feel very good. It's an instant negativity. And the whole, the going back to the skip talk, it's not like scheduled. Yeah. It's casual. Just like when I reach out to candidates, sometimes it's a cold call. It's not scheduled. Yeah. And you'll catch them at their most honest point at times. Yeah. And it's just designed to get them to kind of talk like, hey, what are you seeing in the market? What have you seen our competitors do? It's not designed to be a structured interview because that's going to make people like, well, I don't want to like rat on like people or feel like I'm, you know. Well, and it gives them time to prepare too. It, yeah, they're going to be judged, right? Mm -hmm. And the intentions of doing a, you know, scheduled interview to understand like what's going on is, is great. But from the mindset of the individual, there's things we don't tell our parents, but we would tell our best friends. Yeah. When your parents have to set you down and talk to you about something, what do you think? You're not always going to tell everything. You're not going to tell your employer everything. But if you do a skip deck in a way that's not structured or scheduled and just casually talk, like you're at a bar having, having a drink, you're going to get more out of it. Yeah, absolutely. So shifting gears a little bit, you know, for, for those who are looking in other areas, you know, I've, I've heard ex-military, I've heard other locations, people are looking for talent. Where have you seen people, you know, getting creative with talent? I mean, low voltage in general is, is always a good one, especially on the operations side. When you start getting technical, you can't take an engineer or a programmer from a different industry. Right. I think ex-military is great. I think it depends on the position. And the one thing I would tell any client is, what is the function of this role? You know, if it's something like what to do with Crestron or, or Biamp or QSC, something that's really technical, you probably can't take somebody from the outside. who it, It's a complex and... You know, you and Candace would know this. I mean, just from being in the industry so long, that's a tough, it, it, Crestron's complex. You can't take a Crestron programmer, you can't take a programmer from a different industry and have them just all of a sudden in six months learn it. Right. But I think on the sales side, big time you can. I think operations, I think project management for sure, project coordinators can do that. Uh, they can come from different industries. So like building automation, physical security, access control, solar, Electrical. Um, and Yeah. And you're seeing companies do that. I am seeing that happen, which is a good thing. Cause I, I think again, trying to grow this industry and, you know, I've been in the audio visual industry for seven years now. And I just, it's such a great industry. It really is. I mean, the problems that this industry solves, especially now more than ever is, is pretty cool. And you see the technology being utilized everywhere, but most of these individuals out there, professionals have didn't even know about it. Yeah. And then I think there has to be some type of 
almost like a, a D league or for basketball, there's got to be a development thing, like, like an internship, something or like on the technical side to get more technical people. Cause that's the biggest thing. If you ask any integrator right now, and they'd be laughing when they watch this, everyone needs a field engineer. <laughs> <laughs> that's the truth. Everybody needs a field engineer. Yep. I'm like, you're like the, the 800 person to email me this week on that. Right. And that's where the, the other aspect is, is the, these technical positions. And Candice, you asked about what can they do? I, I mean, you have to develop them. You have to develop them. I mean, they're just not going to learn how to commission a system in six months. And I think it's tough right now because everybody's so busy. So where do you, where do you find the time to get them trained? I have another question about can the candidate experience, you know, mm-hmm. forward candidate and, and you coach them. We hear a lot about culture now, and especially millennials and Generation Z, having a good culture fit is something that's really important. How do you coach candidates to get a feel for that through the interview process and make sure the culture is going to kind of align with what they're looking for? Very good question. Very good question. So how we help coach candidates on that stuff is by who we're working with because every client's different. I think the biggest thing is what, what's driving them to make, maybe consider an opportunity and what do they want of their, you know, what, what do they want in their career? And I think those are huge things to ask those questions as far as like, you're trying to figure out cultural, nobody, I can't speak for everybody, but most of the people that I'm speaking to, they don't care about like picnics and going to these cool events at the end of the day. Really, people want to be able to do their job and and not be overwhelmed by not having process in place or having, you know, not having the right technology so that they can go and spend more time with their kids and their families. And I think the questions we ask a lot of the candidates, you know, is like, you know, or really have them ask is what tools are you using? How does leadership support me in this role when things get chaotic? And then it's really up to no different than when we're dating or interviewing people, you as the individual have to, like, are they BSing me or are they legit? These are the same things I do with candidates. I'll ask a question because I've been in sales so long. I'll know if somebody's, you know, pulling it out of, you know what? And I'm just like, no, you clearly got that deal handed to you. You did not cold call or prospect because we know what that muscle's like. And I think as humans, we need to like, is somebody being genuine when they give me that answer? So when we coach candidates is ask questions about the job specifically and the tools and and the systems that allow you to be effective. And if they don't have them, that's not the end of the world for a company that that's a bad company. What if a company is starting to integrate maybe Salesforce, right? To track client information, or maybe they're getting a new project management software. Maybe that could be something to be a part of, to help shape that vision moving forward for other people that come into the organization. You can be an impact. So there are those type of things that you can ask those questions. I mean, there's a bunch of different questions you ask, but going that direction as opposed to a lot of camps will just ask like, what's it pay? How much travel? It is important, but that's not the end all be all. And so those are the kind of areas we go to make sure, because when they make that move, they're going to be there for more than a year. In fact, you know, from working with me, I mean, people weren't leaving. Yeah. (laughs) They were working out. It's because we got to the fundamental roots of why people wanted to make a move and, and we made sure that it aligned with the company direction. Well, I, I love all the answers and crazy enough, we're, we're running out of time here. We just started. I know. Did we even <laughs> hit record yet? <laughs> Chris, how do people 
get more information from you? How do they find you? Yeah, LinkedIn for one is probably one of the best. I'm always on it. So it's Chris Nikiso. And then as far as email, it's Chris at chrisedwardconsulting.com. And always here to help answer questions and give advice on certain things that are in my wheelhouse. And you have a podcast too, right? I do. I do. It's kind of taken a backseat just because of how busy it's been with us to help companies out right now. So at some point, I'd love to get that back going on, but the recruiting job is is priority number one. Absolutely. We understand that too well. (laughs) (laughs) We appreciate you sharing some insight. Um, Hopefully this helps out our integrators and our manufacturers and distributor partners. Thank you so much, Chris, for joining us. Thank you, StudioPod and, and Shore for helping us out with, with these podcast video series. So wrapping up this one, always good to talk to you, Candice, and good to see you. Likewise, Patrick. Until yeah, next time. Nice to is, meet you, finally. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Nice to meet you too, Chris. So appreciate you guys. As always, USAV Bandwidth. Thanks so much. Looking forward to the next episode. Have a good one, guys.